Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Product Coalition European Tour podcast series where today I'm really excited to be joined by Balak Hussein. Welcome Balak. Hey Jay. Great, great to have you on the show. Um, apologies, this isn't a face-to-face session as we originally designed for, but it's great to speak regardless. Absolutely, pleasure to be here. Great. So for those listening in, this is a remote podcast recording. Apologies if we get any internet dropouts or audio issues. Hopefully you find significant value in the show regardless. So to get started, I want to just give you all a reminder that this episode and the whole European tour is dedicated to raising awareness and support for the bushfire affected communities and wildlife in Australia. So if you enjoy this episode or any of the episodes, you can show your support for three amazing causes over at bushfire.productcoalition.com. Originally, I was planning to visit five cities and over 50 product leaders to gain insights, knowledge and experience to share with you all in a face-to-face format. However, unfortunately, due to the coronavirus situation, these will now be remote recordings. If you've just discovered the Product Coalition, welcome. We're a global product community with over half a million readers, 6,000 Slack members and thousands of podcast listeners. To find out more about the community as a whole, please head over to platform.productcoalition.com. Now, I want to give some thanks to some brands and individuals that have been significant donors to the Bushfire Fund that I mentioned. First up is UserPilot. UserPilot is a code-free user onboarding and adoption tool designed especially for product management teams. UserPilot helps to increase conversion, user retention rates and reduce churn by guiding new users to their first aha moment with interactive walkthroughs, contextual product tours and onboarding checklists. It allows product managers to build fully customizable, behavior-triggered in-app experiences with a simple visual editor. Head over to userpilot.com to book your demo and get a free trial. Sherbet Chuk is a Google product manager and he helps product managers become product leaders and have careers they can be proud of. Head over to intentionalproductmanager.com and sign up for Sherbet's free class on the habits that turn product managers into exceptional product leaders and help them move through their careers fast. Product-led teams like Mixpanel and Flexport know that the best time to capture engagement is when a user is already inside the product. That's why they use Chameleon to drive feature adoption, build onboarding flows and gather user feedback. You can give it a go at trychameleon.com forward slash success. And some individuals I'd like to thank are Rich Miranoff, Chris Miles and James Woodley. Balak, I'm looking forward to chatting about roadmaps and also your experience of what it's like to be a founder in Berlin. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I look forward to all of that as well. Let's so, do, this. do you mind? Do you mind getting this going, Balak? Could you give us a, a, a bit of a background on your path into product? Um, I, I have quite an interesting story about that. Um, I studied computer science, um, finished college two thousand eight, so it's it's been twelve years or so, um, and I wanted to do product. Um, so um, didn't want to be a software engineer. Um, and the reason for that was I thought that a lot of products fail because um, product managers fail um, or because CEOs fail. Um, and I really believe that th- there are enough good engineers out there, but if you really wanted to do better products, you've got to have got to do better product management. It didn't work out that way. Um, I had a job for two months, quit that because um, things didn't work out with the company, went to quality assurance and did some programming. And about four years ago, I went back to product management because everybody kept saying that that was essentially what I was doing. 
Um, so it, in one, um, in some shape or form, I was kind of leading towards it and then officially did this about four years ago um, and then led a couple of teams, um, was very lucky to, to build products from scratch all, all along. Um, that's how I got into it, um, just wanting to build better products and eventually taking the, the role as well. Brilliant, brilliant. That is, uh, yeah, a bit of a unique entry. Thanks, thanks for sharing. And um, and now you're running your own company. Can you can you tell us a bit bit about that? Sure. Um, so having gotten into product management, um, I started noticing all sorts of things um, that that I would have loved to do since the beginning um, that weren't happening. And I think a lot of that came down to communication. Um, and I noticed it again and again. Good teams communicate a lot more. Good product managers communicate a lot more. Um, and I thought that on the human side of things, it there's a lot that can be done, but it depends on the person. But on the tools side of things, we were really underserved. Um, and we have a lot of great tools, which are good at documentation and so on. But a tool that helps communicate better, that's what I thought was missing. Um, and that's what we're building. Um, it's called Epic.app. We started about six months ago, um, launched about six weeks ago. So it's very early days. Um, but, um, yeah, all, all, in, this, all um, in the same direction. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, I appreciate you taking a, a step in a different direction there. Could you, could you tell us a little bit about um, what, what, what's changed for you um, in terms of what keeps you up at night or what, what, what ensures you thrive during the day when it comes to no longer being a product manager but also running a product company? What's different? Um, I think it's um, – I do a lot more stuff than I used to do. Um, obviously, being a product manager, you're, you, you're connected with a lot of things um, that, that connect with the product. But being the CEO of a company, that means you have to take care of finances. That means you have to take care of strategic decisions. That means you have to take care of hiring and firing. Um, and, and, and all of that, um, we just started the fundraising process. So that's, that's its own um, world. Um, and so, so I do a lot more, but what still keeps me up at night is if we have something that is impacting users. So that has not changed. Um, in the last six, six months, I think I've had about three uh, kind of sleepless nights, um, and two of them were out of excitement the two nights before we were about to launch. Um, <laughs> so, so it's the it's same story with, with a lot more at stake um, and a lot more involvement because now there's no way I can't distance myself from this thing. Yeah, right. Interesting. Well, it's good to hear that the excitement's keeping you awake and not to worry. That's, um, <laughs> that, that's good sleepless nights. Nice. Could you talk to me, um, what, what are some of the advantages um, you think you've, you have by coming from a product background into a, a founder role? I actually think product managers are, are the best people to go into if you're building a product company. Um, and, and I think that's because of of the nature of the role, it it has to do a lot. Uh, has has to do a lot with communicating and coordinating, um, and essentially that's what you do as as uh, as an entrepreneur, right? You have to coordinate um, different work streams, people from completely different backgrounds, as well as incredible deep expertise, right? So if you, you know. Like on one hand, I have to talk to engineers. On the other, I have to make sure that our financial plans make sense. 
right? Um, so this is just um, a few levels above from what I was doing up until last year where I was talking to engineers in the morning in our daily stand-ups and then I was going into a meeting with the operations guys because we were about to launch East Coda company. So we had to talk about the logistics of storing physical um, items um, and then going into a meeting with the marketing people talking about online and offline campaigns and it's just different uh, streams of information that you have to manage. Um, and if you're able to do that, um, then as an entrepreneur, like that's where you, you your company um, will do create or fail. If you, if you can't manage information, you shouldn't do this. Um, so I think product managers have these incredible strengths and um, it, it gives me confidence that I can do this. Brilliant, brilliant. Do you, do you mind sharing what it was like in the moment that you decided I'm going to start a company. When was that moment where it went from idea to, no, I'm going to do it. It's not an idea. I'm going to, this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to start a company. Um, what, 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 what was the trigger point? You know, I'm sure it didn't just come to you one morning. There was probably a load of leading up events, but but what was that individual moment like when it switched over for you that you're going all in on this? I think um, for me, this happened last year. Um, I was going to freelance, so I had decided to quit my job, um, and I thought I was just going to take some time and freelance for a while. Um, but then I kept thinking about this idea. So I've had the idea about three years, um, so it didn't happen overnight. But then I decided to quit. Um, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, somebody has to do it. And um, then I started reading up even more and there was nothing or not much happening around it. Um, and then one day I was like, I'm going to do it. Um, how that happened, to be honest, I can't say because it's, <laughs> it's sort of the simmering that happens. And then one day your brain says, okay, I'm ready. Because um, you still don't know a lot of things. So I didn't know a lot of things. Um, what I did know was that that I had done products before and that I was able to build stuff and launch stuff. So, so the bases were there. Um, and I think if you, if this was two years before, I would probably have gone on and done freelancing. So I think a bit of experience helped. Um, and then allowing the process to go on in my mind until it just intuitively went like we do this. Um, and that's when you feel, um, so, um, I think what is interesting to note is the moment you make that decision, that's when you feel the first bit of fear as well of, okay, I'm making a commitment. Um, and I have no, um, I, I, other than I think that I can do this or it might work. I have no other reason to do it. I have no data. Um, so uh, yeah, it was a bit of an intuitive thing and, um, and, but since then, it's um, the confidence has increased, and now we have launched and all, and and I feel better than ever. Fantastic, fantastic! I love hearing about those moments. I wish I could be a, a fly on the wall for everyone who, when that final <laughs> spark ticks them over and they they go all in on an idea. Um, fantastic! Mm. Thank you. Um, you know, being a founder does come. You, you mentioned with, with some different stresses. Um, is there anything? you've changed with how you cope um, or how you plan to cope with, with scaling and building a company um, that just mm -hmm. wasn't, what skills weren't there as a product manager that you've had to develop now? I think definitely um, I meditate a lot more. So um, nice. and I feel the need for it because um, um, 
the fact that you have to deal with all the, all the different aspects of the business um, that you didn't have to, or that you had a lot more support on before. Right. So um, um, that puts a lot of pressure on you. Um, and you have to still be able to do your best because um, other people depend on you. And this is kind of like um, just the sheer quantity of information you have to manage. And the additional responsibility is just quite a quite a big um, step up from your usual day. Um, so I meditate a lot more. Um, I actually kind of try to use all the all the good things that we know that we should be doing in the business, right? So I get up in the morning and I go like, okay, uh, focus. What is what is the big goal for today? What are the things that I need to do? How do I make sure that I'm um, not overcommitting my time or make sure that the things that I've committed time for, they get done well, and then everything else needs to be prioritized around that. Um, so that's, that's one thing that helps me clear my mind. Um, on days where I wake up and I need to do something quickly, and I just get into it without doing this. I notice after a couple of hours that I'm kind of like, I've jumped into it, but I haven't taken the time to, um, to focus. Um, so that, that helps. Um, um, using Epic itself helps. Um, that, that kind of just tells me exactly what the big goals are and who needs my attention. Um, so, so having the right tools helps. Um, and then I try to take a break every day in the afternoon and go like, okay, now, five or six hours have passed that I've been working, uh, what else needs attention, what, what else needs to be prioritized. Um, and it's a lot of that. It's, it's kind of like coming back to the moment um, and kind of taking this balcony view, um, zooming out a bit and then jumping back in. Um, so that, that definitely helps me. Um, and, and taking perspective. Um, so what I've also been doing is actually talking to quite a few friends who um, – there's at least three three friends who have started their companies now. Um, so I've been advising them. Um, I was quite heavily involved with a couple of them um, when we started as well. And now Epic takes much more of my time. And that puts gives me a lot, right? Because then I can compare and I can see, okay, these guys are going through this stress. Um, am, am I prone to that? Or have we gone through that? Or are we going to get into it? And how do I prevent that? So actually other people's stories help me <laughs> do the right yeah. thing uh, for me and deal with those stresses. Brilliant, brilliant, fantastic. So let's let's get into roadmaps. Um, th- th- this is clearly your passion. Um, could could you could you give me your take on roadmaps? What's what, what's your version of why mm-hmm. they why they may be valuable? Um, for me, it's, it comes down to first principles thinking, right? So um, if you want to get anywhere, um, I mean, everything starts with an intention and a vision. Uh, but if you want to get somewhere and it's not just you, that's where planning comes in. You make a plan in order to be able to coordinate movement towards something. Um, and in product management, a roadmap is supposed to denote that plan either on a strategic level or on a development level. But it is just that taking that one step further from the vision and being able to translate it into something that other people can follow and um, and it becomes this reference point. So I think they're crucial because um, what happens otherwise is everything is fine as long as you're in the room, but the moment you leave, 
Um, you know, we have seen all these images where you come back two weeks later and as a product manager, you go like, this is not what I wanted or this is not what I expected. Um, the CEO says the same thing or, and the engineers are like, but well, you know, so, um, so the roadmap is supposed to be this, this reference that you can come back to again and again, um, and be able to tell how far along have you come, um, in, in, in your path uh, or in your journey towards this vision state. And if you can't do that, then either you're doing the roadmaps wrong or your roadmap was um, not right to begin with or something else happened. Um, and that's the second part of it, because once you have that reference point, you can have those conversations, right? So I'm not perfect as a human being, but if I don't give you a reference, um, you can't tell me where we might be going wrong. So for me, in short, you should have a roadmap and this roadmap should be able to tell you at any given moment where you are with respect to your longer term goal and what your path is along the way. That's where the milestones come in. Um, and once you have that, you're, you're in a good position because then even if you do make mistakes, an engineer, a CEO or somebody else could say, okay, I see that this is where we wanted to get. How does milestone X help us get there? And if you're wrong, you're going to improve it. If you are right, everybody's going to be on the same page and your productivity is going to go through the roof. Um, so that's my take on roadmaps. Great. Thank you. When it, when it comes to socializing roadmaps, there's, there's been so many different flavors, everything from physical walls to virtual walls to um, mm. what looks a lot like a Gantt chart, um, etc. Mm-hmm. Um what do you see, Phil, know about what works with when it comes to communicating, so, n- not the roadmap mm. as a whole, but what's actually visually represented on a roadmap? What what makes an effective roadmap? Um, outcomes. Outcomes. Um, if your roadmap talks about outcomes, you'll figure out the rest, right? So this is the most important thing. Um now, what works well, if you can afford to have a physical wall and your team can have the conversations around it, that is the best thing in the world. So I've, I've been in many teams where um, the moment we got everybody in the same room, we stopped using dig- digital tools. And, and I say this as a creator of one of the digital tools. If you have a physical wall, you're fine. You're doing a great job. Stick with it. Um, if you don't, um, then the digital tool has to do that job of being able to lay out the outcomes you want to have um, and how those outcomes connect with each other. Um, if you can do that, um, the rest will come. And, and I think at the, on that level, we don't need the details of implementation. Um, the how is going to change. Um, but what you want to be able to say is, based on your current understanding, what would you like to have? Um, and then you can improve based off of that. Right, thank you. With um, with regards to collaboration on roadmaps, there's, as you know, product managers have, have a lot of relationships to balance um, all of the time, mm-hmm. and many stakeholders want to see a piece of the puzzle on, on your roadmap mm-hmm. that impacts them. How do you recommend product managers go about collaborating and having conversations that enable everyone to to feel like they're contributing to the roadmap or they're going to get to mm. benefit from the roadmap, but without giving up um, and making it a design by committee process. 
Um, that's that's a that's a tough one in practice, right? So we all know the theoretical answer, which is keep it as a living document, right? If it is a living document that everybody has access to, um, then you can have the conversations much better. Um, and that means, right? So if if I'm a product manager and my CEO wants to take a look at it, they are interested in what um, what will we achieve in one month or three months from now. If one of the engineers on the team wants to look at it, they probably are much more interested in the next two weeks. Um, um, and then in those two weeks, you're going to learn a lot of things which need to be reflected back into the document. Uh, and that needs to be communicated upstream and downstream, right? So a living document is the best thing that you can have. Um, what I found is um, by actually keeping a living document and referring to it again and again, that is the best thing you can kind of do in practice because um, it's not natural for um, CEOs to be opening up your roadmap automatically. They're too used to seeing it on a slide deck um, in, in a quarterly presentation. Um, and it's not natural for engineers to be looking at the roadmap all the time. They're too used to looking at the sprint plans. Um, so you kind of want everybody to do this naturally. Um, and that's where you have to put in the work. You have to put in the work of keeping it alive and referring back to it again and again and again until, um, and this happened to me interestingly in, in my last couple of jobs where an engineer raises their hand and says, why are we doing this? Because if I look at the roadmap, the outcome that we want to achieve is X, right? We want to grow our number of users. Um, so how is this button going to help us? The moment that that magic moment happens where somebody other than you as a product manager mentions the roadmap, that's when you have achieved it. But until that point, you have to re repeat and refer to it again and again and again. Great. Thank you. Can I, can I ask, what's your thoughts on um, how strategy influences roadmaps um, and therefore maybe change of strategy and how that should either help shape a roadmap or the roadmap should shape the strategy? Um, both. Um, so a roadmap never directly shapes the strategy. It is the learnings that you, you get uh, as a result of following a plan, right? Uh, but, but a strategy definitely shapes the roadmap, right? Um, and this is where we talk about product strategy as not something, um, as something different from development strategy. Where you might be thinking about if you're building a complex product, you might be thinking about what engineering decisions are you going to take? Are you going to host it on AWS? Are you going to use this database versus that database? Because this one works for 100,000 users and in six months from now, you're going to have to serve 10 million and so on. So that's, that's a development strategy where you might be um, picking and choosing different things based on what you know. Um, when it comes to product strategy, this is where things get a bit more complicated because that is not as linear as today we are serving 100 customers and tomorrow it's going to be 10 million. Uh, it's about um, today we are doing roadmaps and tomorrow we want to be able to do AI, right? And it's like, whoa, okay, um, do you want to talk about AI today or do you want to start talking about it in six months and what would you like to have at that point in the product um, that takes you there? And, and this strategy has to include um, not just how you develop the product, but how you bring it to the customers. Um, how do you ensure um, that you're um, kind of working well with competitors in the sense of not giving it, giving it away too early and not being too late? 
Um, how are you pricing stuff? So all of that goes into the into the strategy, and that has to shape the roadmap. Um, so you, you don't necessarily want to be um, choosing the database for AI and 10 million ops today, even though you know that it's going to come. Mm. Um, but you need to be able to put it somewhere to be able to make those connections and say, okay, this is what makes sense. Um, yeah, strategy needs to shape the roadmap to, to put it short. Yeah, I know I've certainly been in a position where I would love a nice, strong strategy. But um, unfortunately, particularly... Um, it might be in a smaller business where like founder led, et cetera, and, and you, you just not afforded the, mm. that as an asset firstly, or, or maybe time from a founder or a leadership mm. team to really straight shape that up. And they're all in on, on the product. Mm. Um, but they're, they're, they've not taken the first step. They're trying to start, start the car in second gear as such. And they're, they're looking mm. to the roadmap instead of looking to the strategy. It's great to hear the reinforcement of, of strategy first. Now, we're recording this on, let's have a look, 27th of March, the year 2020. There's a global mm-hmm. pandemic, pandemic, there's resource changes, there's new ways of working that have now hit the world, there's rapid shifts in market needs, there's probably quite a few product managers out there that um, either have no roadmap or weak roadmaps or extremely strong roadmaps, regardless, mm-hmm. they're going to need to change. Um, based upon what's happening in the world when you've got an event like this going on how do you propose people best handle change to the roadmap to ensure it's not flippant and it's and you don't want to wait for strategy to change over three or six months you need Mm. to make changes now Mm. How, how do you recommend people approach that Thing. I'm going to put on my agile coach hat on for this um, as well as an <laughs> entrepreneurial hat, right? Um, the thing is, the longer you think um, or the further in the future um, you think about something, less details you have, the less data you have, right? And that's where you have to be extremely flexible, but you do need to put a flag in the ground and say, based on the current situation, that's where we would like to be. Uh, so. So th- that you change when you get more data, and that's that's where you only put in the details when you have the data, because otherwise it's just going to be a distraction. When it comes to the short-term changes, um, given this pandemic, I think the biggest impact, for example, that we have right now is that of communication, right? So you need to double down on communication, um, because without that, any changes could be potentially harmful or knee-jerk, right? And that's what you want to avoid. So that's the step one, and then. When it comes to making a change, the more based on data, the better. Um, if you can afford that, that is the best thing. Um, now, I'm an entrepreneur, and I started with this dream, right? And I had no data to go with it. So I actually take these both sides. Where if you have data, base it on that. But if you really believe in it, communicate that very clearly uh, and go for it. Um, and that's where I go, like, convince or be convinced. Right. If you really believe in something, make sure your team knows this, make sure your CEO knows this um, and give them your reasons. Be very clear. And if you make changes to your roadmap based on that, make sure that this um, the reasoning behind is well communicated. Because um, given the situation, people are going to be distracted. People are going to be stressed. And, and the longer this stays, the, the, the worse it's going to get in terms of being able to take perspectives. Um, so when you communicate, you're also giving people a chance to help you do better um, and to make sure that those changes are not going to be crazy, not going to be based on the nightmare you had last night, but actually based on uh, well-reasoned, well-thought-out processes. Um, 
and you will know when when to stop as well, right? So all of that comes down to um, essentially holding or let's say holding yourself accountable for making sure that people understand. Um, because previously, even if you were ninety nine percent of the time right, um, you know um, you you had a lot more communication happening naturally. Now, if you make that one percent mistake and you don't have communication in split in place, well, it's it's going to hurt. Great, thank you. Can I ask what's your thoughts on public roadmaps? Many many startups nowadays um, like to mm-hmm. show their customer base what what's coming in the in the quarters ahead. Do you see mm-hmm. that as a, a effective for getting customer engagement and for getting commercial outcomes? Um, I like the idea. Um, I, I prefer transparency over anything else. Um, the the only question is um, if you're a startup in a very early stage, things change a lot more than they do when you're a stable company. Um, when you're stable, then absolutely you can show stuff. Well, you know, we are aiming for this next quarter right now. Um, I'm aiming for the world in next quarter, and I'm probably going to get 0.1% of any any of my plans. Um, so you have to be um, you have to be considerate of the fact that when you put something out there, um, or like a public roadmap, it is likely that people will take it as a commitment. Um, so make sure that you are able to honor that or communicate that this thing changes. Um, but in principle, I love the idea. Um, I think more more companies should should do this. Great. Another point I wanted to talk to you about with regards to roadmaps was um, how they can be used to hold an employee accountable for personal performance. Um, uh, in, in the instance where the manager says, you didn't deliver on this thing, on this little dot on the roadmap, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on using roadmaps to either incentivize employees or to, to manage performance of employees? Um, so there's there's a short and a longer answer to that. The short answer is never do that. Um, the slightly longer answer is that you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't be evaluating employees on output and the dot on the roadmap um, is only indicative of the output, not of the process that went into it, um, the decisions that were made into it and so on. Now, we do have some companies um, using Epic for OKRs. That's a different way to do this. If you're still kind of keeping outcomes and personal development plans in there, you can use it as a reference point, um, and you could be doing this in Excel sheet. doesn't have to be Epic, but you could use the reference point and say, okay, what did we achieve? But that's where the conversation stops and the proper conversation about how we got there starts, um, which has to be person-to-person as a human being, because um, the employee works within a system and not as a sole agent um, uh, in a transactional system. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to hear that. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed the, the session, Balak. Um, I've got a quick question. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I've not been able to get to Berlin to in, enjoy the product scene, the startup scene, unfortunately. Could you tell me a, a little bit around what, what's the scene like over there? Oh, Berlin is interesting. Um, th- there's a whole lot of startups. It's 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 this Berlin culture since the twenties, right? All sorts of um, visionaries come to Berlin, um, and there's a lot of flames uh, that that shine bright or or disappear after a moment. So lots of startups. Um, 
very opinionated people as well um, in terms of investment scene. It's pretty vibrant. Um, there's lots of events happening in terms of networking. Um, when it comes to product management, I think this would be a crazy place to come in where you, you have people um, who don't want to do roadmaps at all. Um, to all the way to people who um, who are like, well, you know, gun charts have been working for me for the last 20 years, and I'm not talking about anything else. Um, so, so you have the entire spectrum when it comes to product management, when it comes to the entrepreneurial uh, world. Um, it's it's crazy. You would have loved it. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, um, it'll always be there, so um, I'm sure later, later in the year. I'll, I'll be able to make that trip. Um, thank you so much for recording this session with me and, and for the audience, but like I, I really enjoyed going going deep into into roadmaps with you. Jay, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I can talk about roadmaps all day long. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's good. And um, so topics like this are always hygienic to, to revisit. You know, every product manager out there knows they need a roadmap and the, the reasons and value that they bring but um, it, it's good to just spend some dedicated time just just thinking on mm. just that um, which is great so thank you very much pleasure thank you for having me for the audience listening thank you for tuning in and listening to this podcast episode or if you're watching us on youtube thank you very much please remember that this episode and all of the european tour podcasts are dedicated dedicated to raising awareness and funds for the bushfire-affected communities and wildlife of Australia, which has been further affected uh, by the lack of tourism dollar that's going to hit those communities throughout the year due to, due to the coronavirus situation. If you'd like to support any of the three causes behind the Product Coalition, you've got a choice from the Volunteer Firefighters of Australia to the Wildlife to the National Bushfire Fund. So check those out over at bushfire.productcoalition.com. Until the next episode, thank you very much. Bye.